You going to start with the intro again? I'm waiting on you, Chris. I'm ready. Do something funny. Just look at me. Isn't that funny enough? I mean, that doesn't really translate well into an <laughs> audio medium. <laughs> Valid point. Nah, I got nothing. Uh, well, imagine that. Shut up. Welcome to the No Interior, the podcast. The oh, shit, <laughs> so close with Chris and Stephen, and only Stephen, who really is the only one that matters. Chris, how are you doing? Uh, great. After that, thanks. Uh, good, good. I'm glad to put a smile on your face. Uh huh. Really highlights your uh, crow's feet. <laughs> I'm gonna make popping noises the whole time. I'm just gonna do alliteration with the words that start with the letter P. There was one for you right there. Uh, that was a really soft P, so it's not gonna go through the filter. Fantastic. What are we talking about today, Stephen? Well, you had a question for me. I did. It is on one of uh, players' most favorite things. And this isn't in the Dragon Magazine, is it? No, no Dragon Magazine this week. Ah, well um, then, is it even official question you're asking me if it's not from the Dragon Magazine? It is. It is, I think. We're going to talk about flanking. Flanking? Mm-hmm. I know all about flanking. Okay, number one, do you allow flanking? Yes, I do. Mostly because uh, when I first started DMing... I was in another game where uh, flanking was being used, and so as most people, I just assumed that it was uh, uh, like an actual rule. I didn't realize it was like a variant rule until like halfway through, and then I just didn't care to change it, so now it's still a rule in our campaigns. Okay. And, all right, two questions. I I just make sure if I know someone who has a lot of D&D experience is going to be playing in our game, I make sure that I tell them, you know, here are the variant rules that we do, and then here's the house rules that we also do. And, you know, I throw flanking in there because some people don't use it, and then some people use it differently. Okay. And how do you use flanking? The way the variant rule is is worded. If you're on opposite sides of a creature, you have advantage on the attack rolls. Here's my question for you. Which is really difficult for people to understand what opposite sides are. Yeah. Yeah. Even on, like, a tactical medium where you have the grid out, and it's like, is this the opposite side? You're 90 degrees away. No. 180. 180. Here's my issue, and I think it goes into facing, and I guess that's my question. There is a variant rule in facing. There is, which I like. Uh, I guess my question is this. If you have two, let's say, two characters fighting an ogre. Okay. Because that's the picture on the DMG. Ooh. What page? Uh, 250, 251. All right. You can now follow along at home. Yes. We'll wait. Don't wait, Chris. (laughs) Just go right into it. I'm going right into it. Okay. So they can hit the pause button, you know, that cool thing. So, look at the first picture on page 250 with flanking. Correct. Opposite sides. Correct. That seems fine. Here's my thing. Wouldn't technically both of them be in at least some sort of line of sight of the creature? I don't think flanking works. Like, if a creature, even if if they're on the sides, directly across from each other. To me, that the creature, let's say, has really good peripheral vision. It doesn't make sense. You can't really flank somebody if they can see you. You should be able to have some sort of defense okay, when uh, you can uh, see them. That's why, I like, fa- if someone's standing directly behind you, you have really no idea. Chris. I get the concept of flanking. I just don't like it. The, the idea about flanking is, yes, you might be able, if you have, like, insane bug vision, peripheral vision, because we can't see... 180 degrees with our periphery. One of the people that has the best uh, peripheral vision in the world is Larry Bird. That's why he could it was so good. He actually has 180 peripheral vision. He can see if you put your hands out directly, your fingers out directly across like that. Uh-huh. He can actually see both fingers. So an extreme edge case. Yes. One person that's, that's just a, that we know of can see 180 peripheral. I an just, extreme edge case. Right. I just don't. I think it's an 
unfair tactical advantage that players abuse. I mean, my monsters do it to you guys all the time. Sometimes. They're monsters. I expect them to do that. But it doesn't feel like you abuse them. I would prefer the facing role. I mean, a lot of times I use stupid monsters, and so, no, they wouldn't be smart enough to to know to that they're going to get a combat advantage if they flank. I'm not going to expect a bunch of skeletons to realize, hey, <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy Bones, go on that side, <laughs> and then I, Bobby Bones, will go on the other side, and then we'll have combat superiority. No, they're, they're fucking mobs. They're going to, like, rush in, and then if one can't get, uh, like, they're just going to get to whatever square, if you're using tactical combat, closest to the enemy and then if you know if the closest square just happens to be flanking then i just give them the bonus but i get that and i mean i i will say that like having uh flanking does kind of make conga lines in certain combats yeah. which is kind of funny to me because it's like you know like we're we're in this thing deep and then it's just like this long line of like enemy ally enemy, enemy ally yeah enemy. it's just like that's oh, hilarious but i guess but then i i have to work with the room more you know like my enemies are like my smarter enemies, I should say, are, are, are smart enough to know, hey, I need to, uh, I should probably back myself into this corner so they're not going to get up behind me. And I have plenty of teleport options in case, you know, they, they, you know, they're, they're trying to like box me in, or like if, if they think they have me boxed in, I can just dimension door or misty step or anything to just like escape from Correct. that area. But, you know, if I keep my back to a column, I don't have to worry about someone hitting me on the side, uh, like directly in the back, but I don't have to worry about my two sides getting flanked. Like it, it does create a little bit of tactical. Yeah. How can I use this room best to my advantage? Okay. Uh, last question, I guess, would be how... I guess the other issue I have is we see it a lot of times. Okay, so character's facing a monster. Then... There's no facing. Okay. Character uh, character A is standing directly in front of a monster. There's no facing still. Fantastic. <laughs> there's, a mon- there's a character in front of a monster. Got it. Right. Character B, on his turn, runs by the monster gets behind him, and now is flanking. Yeah. Okay. If a monster sees someone running by to get behind him, don't you think he'd kind of turn around? Yeah, but then you have the problem of the person you were originally facing is now at your back. Yeah, and then that person gets flanking on their next turn. Well, I no, guess when no, they no, s- no the, the idea is that a, when a monster has someone attacking them from the front and from behind... He, or, like, from either side, mm-hmm. they can't properly protect themselves yeah, from both attacks because they're distracted by both of them at the same time. Okay. And so, you know, this is all happening within six seconds, Chris. Just, just imagine it's happening in six seconds at the same time. And you're getting attacked by two people in front of you and behind you. Now, someone behind you just, like, slams on you, and then the person in front of you is slamming on you. How effective are you going to be at blocking both of their attacks? No, and, and I... I agree with that to an extent. What I, I guess what I'm trying to say is when the player moves through the creature's line of sight, so they see them yeah. going to flank them, that's what I have an issue with. Because, yeah, it's six seconds, so player B runs right by runs right by me and is now behind me and goes to hit me. I just don't... I, I feel like it, that doesn't work. I just feel like when the if if a creature sees someone running up behind them, six seconds is enough time to make a reaction and be like, "Fuck, that guy's behind me. I can at least turn around." Now, to your point, now the person that was you were originally facing, if they were to go next, 
yeah, they would have flanking. And that gets Except really it's difficult. it's all happening at the same time. It's not, oh, this person's going next. This person's going next. It's right. all, ha- like, the idea is that it's all happening at the same time. So you, you know, you're trying to ward off the dude in front of you who's Don't attacking you, and then the guy behind you, uh, like, you see a guy run behind you and start wailing on you in the back. Like, and it's, and, and I like to think of combat as more than just the fighter gets two swings inside of six seconds, you know? Like, mm-hmm. he is swinging more than that. It's just... He, because you know, these people are so well, or are so good at what they're doing, he now has two chances of finding an opening and stabbing in. So during the entire combat, they're still like swinging their swords at each other and like raising their shields up and like trying to get an in. But when they, you finally get to roll that d20 to see if you hit, that's you finding an opening and like stabbing in to deal some, uh, to drain the person's stamina or hit points or whatever you want to call it. And then if you have someone behind it, then there's going to be more openings because the person that's flanking with you is creating more openings by attacking them in the back. Correct. And the person's trying to like bring around their shield or like try to uh, turn their head quickly so that they can look behind them and try to make sure they don't get stabbed in their uh, in their hamstring or something. You know, it's it's a little bit more chaotic than what I think that you're imagining what flanking does. No, it's it. Everything is it's it's like a dance. Everything is moving at the same time. We just, as, you know, to play the game, you have to coordinate it in a very specific way. You can't just have, it's not a free-for-all. People have to go in order. Yeah. But it's one rhythmic motion that everybody is doing pretty much at the same time. I get what you're saying. They have a variant initiative system uh, written in the DMG. I forget what page it is. But um, it is more chaotic where everyone just puts their name into like like a proverbial hat. And then you just, the DM just draws out a name. And then whoever's name got drawn, it's their turn. So they have no idea when they're going to go in the order. It, it slows down combat a little bit. Yeah. But it's also, if uh, it's more for like a realistic flavor where people are like running around and no one can be like, all right, I'm going to heal you because uh, you're going to run in. Of course, you only have one HP, but that's fine. I go before the monster does. So I'll just heal you before the monster hits you. Right. And, you know, it, it becomes more of a chaotic system where it's like, I have no fucking idea when I'm going to be able to heal you. <laughs> Stay the fuck back. That actually is kind of fun. But, yeah, yeah that would... I, that- I would do that for a one-shot um, just to see how, the, how like, the group likes it. But I think it would... Uh, it would probably slow down combat more than yeah. more than uh, i would expect especially probably the first couple of times where you're doing it when people don't know you know how it's going but uh yeah well yeah it can cause i i see it being a big deterrent for spellcasters mainly i mean they you know they're like oh well, we're would... gonna we're gonna coordinate this and then all of a sudden it's like i have no idea i can't or i mean with spellcast with their big area of effect spells you know it's like oh perfect now i just need them to draw my name because they're all clustered right. fuck they went first <laughs> oh god they're tag teaming me yeah exactly they're flanking me how is this happening i can see them with my 180 degree perfect peripheral vision all right enough <laughs> i just uh i don't know uh it, it, what, apart from the fact that you don't like that someone can hit you in the back and in the front. No, I have no problem with that. I okay. get it. I totally get it. I just, I just watch it. In my opinion, it's being abused in a, the game. How is it being playing. abused if it's a loud rule and is the smarter strategery thing to do? I just don't like it. I just, I feel that if someone is running by you and you know they're going to get behind you. That you're going to have an opportunity, at least for that player, on that turn, if they move 30 of their feet and just jump behind you, as I get it, everything's going on, 
and you're like worried about the guy standing in front of you getting ready to stab you in the abdomen. But I would still say that that person on that turn, you can't, you can't, I, I would like to say more, you can't move within the line of sight of a creature and get flanking on that turn. If you were standing behind them and just kind of crept up on them like a well, sneak attack. Well, now it seems more like, I mean, they, they basically effectively become, in, uh, it's not invisible because they can still be targeted by mm-hmm. you, but I mean, like, you can't see them if they're behind you. Your eyes don't work that way. I can see them if they're move if they're running behind yeah, me. If they move behind you and you're still focused on this guy in front of you, you can't see what they're doing behind you. You don't know where I they're gonna hate you in the ashtray. I wouldn't be focused on the person in front of me. I'd be worrying about the guy stabbing me in the back. Okay, so you're following the person that runs behind you, mm-hmm. and now the person that you were originally fighting for is stabbing you in the ashtray. And that's fine. Okay. Okay. I don't like the movement to flanking in one turn. I guess that's where I'm I guess that's the final You think it's too much of a bonus. I do. Because once someone, once you get into that position, yeah, you can coordinate with the two between the two players. And unless, like you said, you that do the, realize the players are supposed to win the combat, right? I started with AD and D. That's not how it worked. Uh, um, Have you not read any of the stuff by Gary? <laughs> Just kills everybody in five E. The no saving throw. The players you are die. supposed to win. <laughs> and I get that. It just it rubs me the wrong way. But is I it because whenever you have advantage, you still roll poorly? And never hit anyone. Hey, my dice were doing great this one time. Yeah, that one time. Shut up. I okay. So what? <laughs> I know we've talked about planking before, and you like the idea of just doing like a plus two bonus instead of advantage. I do. Would both people get that, or just the one that? In this feels like way too much like DM fiat. Like no. He has eyes. You don't get flanking this turn. No, he's going to decide to face you, so you don't get flanking this turn. And and you know, mm, I get no, it. No, I I don't think you get flanking because he definitely saw your big shield that you're walking past him with. Hmm. Okay. It you can't. It's way too mother may I. You can't do it. It gets too confusing. And I understand, like from a DM standpoint, what I'm saying. It's just like, well, how the fuck would I keep track of who gets what, when, how? It it makes it impossible to have flanking. So then you shouldn't have it. I'm not saying you shouldn't have it. I'm just saying that if you want to, you know, all the stuff I'm saying makes it way too complicated. It it does. I will fully admit that it it doesn't work. Yeah, and five V is all about simplicity. So just everyone gets advantage all the time. Okay. As far as advantage on attack roll or AC, yeah, I can, I would still go with that. I mean, that would if you flanked with that instead of wait a, advantage on attack roll versus AC. What? So how it's written, you're fine with? No advantage on AC. I'm sorry, I like. I don't understand what advantage on AC is. No a minus two on AC. You know, listen to what is it I'm, plus two to attack rolls or minus two to AC? Minus two to AC. Okay, hear what I'm thinking not what i'm saying come on you should know that by <laughs> okay. now okay i will try. listen to what i mean not what i say oh I'll, okay. all right i hope listeners understand that okay now it is an optional rule so you don't have to use it if you don't want to yeah we do use it doesn't mean i have to like it but doesn't mean that it's not a rule so okay cool well then maybe chris you should be the change you want to see and stop abusing it i never flank i just run up and start hitting things like an idiot you do flank rarely uh-huh I'm usually a meat shield. I just run up and hit things. Yes. And then someone, someone runs else behind flanks, it, and yeah. then you get to flank, and you're like, ooh, I have advantage. You get all excited because you just rolled a one on that first attack roll. No, because normally by then the monster gets to go, and you're like, no, I'm not going to let him have advantage. And he, he, he's just like, I will disengage and run here. Oh, I never waste my action disengaging. 
You, you know, can just move him one square to the side, and then he yeah. doesn't have flanking. Well, a lot of times you will also just blink out. Or yeah, I mean, there's a variety of things that a monster can do to to avoid getting flanked. I think we should next homebrew monster you make, you should make a reaction that if someone's going by you to try and flank you, you can trip them. Was it the Zorn that can't be flanked? Because I, I remember uh, one of our deep dives. I think it was the Zorn, and one of the additions, it's just like it cannot be flanked. <laughs> Because it has like eyes, eyes like, yeah. every uh, hundred and something degrees around it. It has three eyes stationed evenly around it, and so it just can't be flanked. And I was like, "That's that's cool. I need to introduce that mechanic into more monsters." Like, I feel like oozes should have that because they don't have any eyes to begin with, so yeah. they shouldn't be able to be flanked. I think that I mean, but then it's also just like, damn it, I don't know if this monster can get flanked or not. Like, I said, like this one weird edge case. Now it's just like, uh, right. Right. I mean, if it's written to the rules, then yeah. But I mean, you, yeah, to your point, it's breaking it down by monster and trying to figure everything out makes no sense. So if you're going to use it, the rule, use it unless it's specifically uh, um, written into the, the monster's description. Stat block. Whatever you no, want it's go. not the 5E Zorn that, that, that can't be flanked. Maybe it was the 3E Zorn that can't be flanked. I don't know. Look at the article. They were interested in that type thing. Yeah. I'm- you mean the thing with the giant mouth on the top of its head? So we never quite figured out how it would lean on... Two legs. Yeah, the Azorn is weird. I like the Azorn, though. All right, so sorry. I'll, I'll keep right. looking at it and eventually report back. So we will agree to disagree? Uh, I but don't I, know I, what we're agreeing to disagree to. I understand the flanking rules. What I would get be... No flanking. In the... Okay. Just no flanking, period. Correct. No bonus for getting behind something. I would not use the... I would not use the option rule. Okay. Okay. It's an optional rule. I just wouldn't use it. Okay. So just no flanking. Nope. Never, ever. Shut your faces, players. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's perfectly fine. And yeah. I, did, I mean, I don't care what you do with your life, even if you want to be. <laughs> Optional rule. <laughs> but is it? It is. Okay. Uh, and then you also uh, were looking. I was telling you about facing, right? Mm-hmm. What did you think of the facing rules that they have on page? Was that 253? 252. 252. Oh, I'm so close. I like it. Seems a little, not complicated, but just skimming over it again. Yeah, to your to your uh Yes, three point five and three E by extension. Uh Zorns have all around vision, which means they can't be flanked. Cool. So and to your point that you were saying earlier about oozes, it actually specifies in here. Uh feel free to determine that not all creatures have every type of arc flanking uh facing arcs. For example, an orca jelly could treat all of its arcs as front ones, while a hydra may have three front arcs and one rear one. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I guess I would have to... Well, I mean, still, you could just, like, turn one of the Hydra heads around. Just be like, yeah. how do you... Yeah. Hello. <laughs> uh, I would actually have to... On paper, it looks pretty cool. I'd like to probably put it into action before I'd make a... I mean, that would be... That would be, like, kind of sloggy. It's like, all right, he has a shield. And it's like, all right, yeah. I'm going to run up to his left side. Damn it, I have the... Shield AC on that side, but if I go to the other side, then I... <laughs> yeah, reading the rules, it seems cool, but in-game, you know, trying to keep it going, it would, like you said, it would slow stuff down. Yeah, I could see that doing it for, like, the dark, gritty uh, D&D experience that some people like to do, where it's, you know, everything's mm-hmm. dark, and it and it takes, you know, a, a long rest is like a week of downtime of doing nothing, and a short rest is... Uh, uh, eight hours of sleep and things of that nature. Um, I, I can see doing that where like you get like really into like the nitty gritty about combat and things of that nature. That might be kind of fun. You mean play Pathfinder? No, it's Pathfinder is simpler than that. 
Well, there's just rules for everything in Pathfinder. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I mean that's 3E. I mean, it's just 3.75. Well, I guess Pathfinder 1E was 3.75 of D&D. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, and as a side note, in 3E, 3.5E, and Pathfinder, I believe, uh, flanking was just a, uh, a plus two bonus to your attack roll. Okay. So it wasn't as powerful as an advantage, as advantage is roughly anywhere from 0.3 to plus 4.5, depending on where what number you're bowling you could just and be stuff. making up numbers because i hate math okay i take your word for it it's complicated math i don't really remember how it works <laughs> i just remember the basics yeah and then i have a spreadsheet that i look at that shows them all <laughs> i'll link something cool <laughs> all right yeah so okay that works okay so no flanking ever never ever not my games but in yours flanking okay uh, use the variant rule and cool all right I mean, that does help rogues with their sneak attack, because yeah. they, they get sneak attack more often, whereas um, in other games, I, I, I would... I, it's, actually, I guess it's not that much harder for rogues to get sneak attack, because they get it within five feet of an... Or if an enemy target is within five feet of an ally, and so, you know, if you're flanking, you already have an, an ally within five feet, yeah. so... That's true. Yeah. All right. Huh. All right, so... Uh... More dice, more better. It just speeds up combat, you know, so we're not here sitting for on the 10th turn just like... Nope, you didn't hit it. <laughs> Maybe roll higher next time. <laughs> Instead of rolling just 1d20, how about you roll 2d20 and take the higher? Yeah, great. <laughs> All right. Tell you what, Chris. Everyone else at the table can have flanking except for you. That's fine. Okay, good. I Like I said, I just run up and hit things square in the face. Sure. Sure. Mm-hmm. Gen Con. Gen Con! Uh, do they have a tagline? Oh, uh, largest collection of ugly white people in one place. Don't think that's their tagline. It should be. So that's wow, the thing. That's that, hurtful. I'm the, gonna delete that from the sets. So that's what makes me laugh. Uh, the best four days in gaming. There you go. When, Jesus, Chris. When I when I, we went all, I went all four days. My daughter went three days, and my and then we all went. Me, my daughter, my son, and my wife went two days. And about halfway through the first day, she was we're walking around. She goes, you know. The vision that you have when you say people play Dungeons and Dragons and like the, the, the mental image you get of like that person based, you know, because we're older. So it's, she's like, that's what all these people look like. And I was like, are you judging people by the yeah, way they look? I look like one of them too. Uh-huh. So, You're you know, then there's a, then there's, you know, the outliers like uh Christian, better known as Steve the Hare Harrington. Um, How do they have official pizza? What? Who is it? hot box oh they had the thing outside that the how is that official pizza though they didn't do anything fun they gave them money i guess that's that's fair that makes you official yeah money makes everything there's official. a local parking sponsor probably denison they have official coffee grills coffee that stuff that's gross yeah but dude there's official everything i'm they sorry can. i just got they also have an official burger i'm sorry i just <laughs> an official sort of i'm sorry i got distracted as usual Yes, sorry. You were complaining of how the people were. All the I was just you. making an observation. It's not a complaint. Not everything I say is well, a complaint. How do you mean to people? It's the hello, hot calling. This is the kettle. You're black. Um, <laughs> okay. So beyond looking at, well, I'm sorry. How'd you put it? Ugly people? Not ugly people. Not just stereotypical. Okay, stereotypical nerds. I'm sorry. You had to look at them. Correct. Go on. 
let's see what else they take up every square inch of pretty much every ballroom oh yeah it was the Lu- lucas oil and the convention site yeah i mean we didn't even make it over the to lucas oil this year yeah uh, for those that haven't gone yet it's basically like two blocks uh that, that two blocks squared yeah two by two blocks so is that four blocks <laughs> Basically, sure. <laughs> it's a big square. It is a huge area in downtown Indianapolis. And like we have a, a huge convention center. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they had to expand it from that convention center out to the hotels that are nearby mm-hmm. and just like take over half the hotels for all their all, all the stuff going on. And the football stadium now. And the huge football. Is that the football stadium? Yeah, Lucas Oil is the football stadium. Like the, huh. the Indianapolis Colts professional. I knew that. I knew that that's what that was. <sighs> Actually, I was surprised that they didn't take over the baseball stadium, but then they were playing games mm-hmm. uh, two of the nights there, so I guess that's why. So, yeah, football stadiums, yeah, that's, you know, not stereotypical nerd stuff right there. Anyways, uh, sure. Uh, I don't know what sports ball is. Anyways, so, did you have fun? Yeah, I had lots of fun. I thought you were still observing things no. about Gen Con. <laughs> I had a lot of fun. I thought uh, this was my first time going. I went all four days. I um, I didn't do blew a- me off most of them. What? <laughs> I said blew me off on a couple of them. That's okay. My feelings weren't hurt. Well, you didn't show up until several hours later, and I got tired of waiting for you in that one spot. Whatever. Basically, I uh, I didn't sign up for a whole lot of things because I wasn't really sure what to expect. Mm-hmm. Uh, next year, I plan to sign up for some more things and run more games. Right. Um, what only- did you run this year? I only ran three games. Uh, they were all for Wyvern Gaming and their Stargate RPG. Mm-hmm. And it was very, very fun uh, playing as Stargate. Well, I didn't play as the Stargate people. I got to play as the enemies and like uh, the, the puzzles and stuff for Stargate. Um, and just, yeah, yeah, I ran Stargate games for them uh, just as like playtest type thing. Uh, and all of the, uh, the quote unquote nerds that were there. Uh, Myself included. Had fun. Um and then I took a seminar with Keith Baker talking about Eberron, which was interesting to hear about uh, a guy very passionate about his homebrew setting and how it uh, became so popular. And like he didn't even create Eberron until um, Watsi announced that they were uh, looking for uh, a new campaign world. And he sent in seven worlds. Uh, <laughs> and Eberron was the seventh one, and that was the one that got chosen. That's dedication? I, I think Obsession? <laughs> well, I think he had a lot of cool ideas, and uh, he was probably surprised that everyone was the one that... Well, he did say he was surprised that everyone was chosen as it was the seventh one he entered, so... But it, he... Uh, the way he depicted it to Watsi was it was more of a no-weir... Noir? Noir? Noir uh, kind of, like, style world where, uh, you know, it's it's got, like, a bit of that grim and dirty, but it's, um, you know, there's mysteries about and whatnot, so... I I know very little about Emperon. I probably should have gone with you. Uh, other than isn't that where the Warforged came from? Yes, the Warforged, Changelings, Kalistar, Shifters uh, are all from the Eberron world. Cool. And I know you just made a face when I when you were talking about the Warforged. This fucking Warforged. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the Warforged. I know you don't like robots in your fantasy. No, it's not that. Just they, think of it as science fantasy. They're overpowered. They're not overpowered. How uh, I will kill a Warforged in front of you so you can see that they're not overpowered. <laughs> Sorry, Alex. <laughs> now, Alex, your friends brought this upon you. Yeah. Now, I, I think the Changeling's pretty cool. Uh, you where, don't think having at-will ability to uh, basically have a hat of disguise is overpowered? No, I think it's neat. Okay. 
Because you have to be smart about it. You can't just be walking down the street and just be like, boop, I'm going to change to somebody else. That's a little weird. I think you have to hide behind the dumpster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With my shame. A question for you, because I actually I should know this and I don't. Is there a limit on the things that you can change into? Or is it just like... Uh, medium-sized I, creatures that have the same basic... Uh, oh, no, no. I, I get what you're saying. But like, you can change into literally... Any medium-sized creature, blah, 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 at any time. It doesn't have to be like you only have 12 personas, I guess. Maybe oh, no, I, I, unlimited. And kind of interesting, uh, at least in Eberron's thing, is that changelings, they have, uh, quote-unquote, jobs. And so, like, you might meet someone that's, like, the town healer, but, mm-hmm. like, four or five changelings take on that job depending on what day it is. And so it's like a it's a community persona that everyone... Uh, is expected to t- uh, to take on if the need arises. That's kind of cool. Yeah, though that does me- lead me to think like, <laughs> what if one isn't that great with medicine? <laughs> what if I get Bob and he sucks? <laughs> it's like, how do you make sure that this is the good one and yeah, not the exactly? Good one? Yeah. Um, and shifters. We I only I've shifter. Only- well. Interest, because uh, he was talking a little bit about uh, changelings and shifters, and how they were the answer to players wanting to play doppelgangers and lycanthropes. Doppelgangers have the ability to change their appearance and whatnot, okay. and um, have a couple of other uh, bonuses and whatnot that makes it uh, too strong for a player to be able to play them. But a changeling is able to dial that back and still have that ability to change your appearance. Uh, so th- um, that a doppelganger has, just like. Lycanthropes have that small little problem where they're immune to non-magical bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage. Right. <laughs> but shifters have like that ability to like change their physical appearance a little bit to look like animals and beasts oh. of that nature. And then um but they don't have that uh immunity to non-magical damage, so it makes it, you know, makes it a reasonable thing that a player can play as. Yeah. No, I mean it was the one person that played at our table that wasn't there very long it seemed interesting yeah uh yeah i don't know enough about it to comment intelligently about it but it seemed like something that was pretty cool and i've had a couple of shifters in my time (laughs) were they shifty uh the warforged yeah i just uh, i'm like i understand well uh the warforged is interesting because he was uh you know he he gets He's heard a lot of complaints about the Warforged I'm through sure all of the editions. But way back in 3rd edition, Warforged also counted as constructs. Right. So they had a whole lot of negatives against them because certain spells that dealt damage to constructs would also affect, also affect Warforged and hurt them and damage them and deal more damage. And they would be negatively affected by a lot of things that might like stop a construct from entering or um, only hurt constructs and things of that nature. Correct. And so with 5e, the design philosophy is everyone is a humanoid. Except for, isn't the centaur, I think, is a monstrosity humanoid? I'll have to re-look at that. Yeah, look at that. I don't remember if it qualifies as a humanoid or a monstrosity. Um, And so he talks a little bit about the Warforged and how... um, well, he even talked about like changing out armor plating and stuff, and he's like, "Well, the idea is that not that a warforged is not a transformer, where he's not just sitting there for eight hours, or like you know after a long rest and like all like this metal's moving around his body. It's more like he's like ripping off chunks of his armor and then like welding it, uh, welding new plates on, and like working on his um on his limbs and stuff, and like rewiring stuff that got uh, cut into during combat and things like that. You know, like maybe he has a line broken in his arm that he has to repair with some thread and some new tubing. Yeah. So, it, you know, it, it 
Is it's less why? a magical robot and more of a uh, uh, a synthetic android, I guess. So while he doesn't have to eat or sleep, that's what he's doing is kind of fixing himself. Yeah, yeah, um, like he's working on himself, and um, you know, like you can seem like a little small hammer, just like ding, knocking ding, some, ding, 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 ding. knocking some dents out, and getting himself all shiny and pretty. The rest of the players are trying to sleep. <laughs> you stop. <laughs> See, you guys should role play uh, long rest more often. No, It'd be so much more fun. Uh, so you did that one. What, what, uh, what else did you go see? Oh yeah. I did other things. Uh, I went to a Paizo talk about the design philosophy, a second edition. Right. Which is very interesting. It's actually on their Twitch. Uh, I'll see if I can't find that. And I bought the book. Oh, you bought second edition. Mm -hmm. Yes. How, how have you been enjoying it? It's how far are you into it? Big. I've been jumping around a little bit. Uh, yeah, it's big. If you fell asleep with it, like press against your mouth, you would, it would probably die. Yeah, it would like suffocate you and then like leave a huge depression in your skull <laughs> as to where it rested. And people uh, would be like, yep, 2 ebook. It's yep. happened again. Uh, well, the first thing that we actually, because we both looked at it, the first thing I noticed, and this has nothing to do with what's inside the book, but for such a big release for them, it was a little weird that the cover was like super flimsy. Like I have to keep an eye on that book. Yeah, it's, it's like, not a very strong cover, no. which I was a bit confused i like like the you know the hard yeah. cardboard it's a hard card it's a hard covered book that doesn't have a hard cover yeah it's it, it's, it's a very thick uh cards uh, a very thin card stock so it still has like mm -hmm. that like heavy feel to it but like when you pick up the book you can see like the covers are bending yeah. with uh because of the weight of the book so yeah it was it's dense I mean, it is, you can't just be like, oh, I'm going to sit and read through it. No, you've got to read it in chunks. There are some pretty cool things in there. Now, granted, I don't know a ton about Pathfinder, the first edition, but. Uh, sorry. Centaur, mm -hmm. centaurs. <laughs> oh, boy. Centaurs are considered fey, not monstrosities or humanoids. Oh, cool. Yep. That's all. Excellent. Are you done interrupting me? Sorry. I, I just didn't want people to be upset with me. Anyways, uh, so yeah, I, I I picked it up mainly to because I'd never played it before and I wanted to check it out. And I also wanted to see what kind of interesting things were in there to convert over to 5e. And there's some fun stuff. I mm -hmm. mean, a lot of it's uh, things like feats and, you know, different you know, minor little different uh, rule changes and stuff. But there's enough in there that, uh, man, they love their rules. Yeah, they sure love their rules. There, there's no gray area. It seems like in mm -hmm. there, it's sort yeah, of like it's it's very specific. Uh, specificity is important. Specified, whatever. Uh, uh, very specific. important that there are specific rules for each situation. Mm -hmm. Whereas five E is like, here's a general rule for grappling. Yeah, make it up as you go. I guess. Yeah, and you know, I'm not sure. I like rules, so I'd probably like that a lot. Yeah, and that's when I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure that it would be the game for me. I can't say that because I've never played it, but I like the little bit of freedom that you get. You know, I mean, but you're always asking me how rules work. No, I'm not barely. <laughs> Whatever. Stop glaring at me. Nobody can see you. So that was it. Was a good purchase. I think. Uh, you know, if if you obviously if you play pathfinder you have it already but even if you're playing uh you know if you play dnd &D and you play 5e it's worth picking up it's expensive um and reading through it because there's some really cool stuff in there i think that you know, either can be converted over or you know you should give pathfinder a shot why not yeah i uh listening to their talk about it uh, the way that they designed um pathfinder 
one he was uh, from the down uh, from the bottom up and so mm-hmm. you start getting these um crazy to hits and things of that nature whereas with pathfinder 2e they so they designed it from the top down so you know the high level stuff is what they worked on first and then they started working down it's like how do we get this character to where we're going which helps with kind of the craziness of oh this class is garbage as opposed to this class is uh way overpowered and things of that nature yeah no it it was that would that was probably a very popular uh talk seminar whatever you want to call it uh yeah there's probably about 30 or 40 people there oh that's a lot less than i thought yeah it was a smaller room i don't think people care that much about design philosophy Except for you. Well, I find it interesting. Mm-hmm. Nerd. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was a very cool talk, though, uh, with them talking about 2E. I wasn't able to stay for all of it because I had to run a Stargate game very soon after it. But it, it was very interesting listening to them talking about uh, some of the things that uh, they were changing from 1E over to 2E. And I have a loose understanding of how 1E works. Um, and, yeah, just... Uh, kind of how they were uh, looking at the design of it. It was Jason Bullman and then two of the other rule designers there. Jason Bullman is kind of like the, the I think he's like lead rules person at Pathfinder. He's someone very important. And probably right. anyone that plays Pathfinder knows his name, whereas people that play D&D know the likes of Jeremy Crawford or uh, uh, Mike Merles or uh, Chris Person, whose name I'm forgetting. Perkins, Perkins that's it. <laughs> Oh no, I, I popped. <laughs> Anyways, that's probably why you didn't remember the name. Like, I don't want to. I don't, don't want to say the p word. I don't, don't want to give any inf- inf- ammunition against me. Yeah. All right, so that was a good one. Uh, we went to the writer symposium. It was a good general kind of information. Well, it wasn't symposium? very the the one that we went to. I think the first day. Oh, about websites. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, it was it, it was, was not it, interesting. It didn't really deal with much of what we were looking at, but it, I, I I enjoyed it. Hey, guess what? If you're an author, you should have a website. Boom, done. I saved you. Yeah. Well, I guess it was free to go to. But free. I saved you the price of a Gen Con ticket. There you go. Uh, what was the one we went to that was... Uh, the, the Fall ha- of TSR. Yeah, the, I ha- uh, the Hater of TSR. The guy was really trying to be entertaining. He kind of drifted off every so often, but it was a good talk. I thought it was um, interesting. I found it very interesting. Uh, his podcast is Plot Points, which I've been listening to. Uh, since Gen Con, which is a, an interesting look at literature and RPGs type stuff. Okay. Uh, I've only caught a couple of his episodes, but I've enjoyed what I've heard so far. So I'll link his podcast as well. Right. Free advertising for someone we don't care about. Great. I care. I care about everyone. You yell at me all the time about, wait, we're advertising for other people for free? Anyways, continue. Chris, go ahead and do an advertisement. Nope. You just did. I don't have to. All right. Uh, as a minor note, you should definitely check out Monsters and Multiclass, A Bite of D&D, uh, Tooth and Nail and Monsters podcast, the Glass Cannon podcast. Um, Chris, you got any off the top of your head? No, those would be the ones that I would think of right off the top of my head. Glass Cannon actually is really well produced. Oh, System Mastery is a great podcast about uh, old tabletop RPGs. One sec. Let me open up my podcast app so then uh, Chris can complain to me a bit more. No. Uh, so it, it was... GM Word of the Week, yeah. Digressions and Dragons, which unfortunately is no longer going yeah. on. Um, no end to hear the podcast. I heard that's a great podcast. It is. It's fantastic. Yeah. There's this one guy, Chris. It's fantastic. Who? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yes. And Androids and Aliens, if you want Starfinder podcast. Cosmic Dice, or Cosmic Crit, I think. This is another Starfinder. <laughs> Sorry, Chris, you look pained. 
just taking a nap while you're just reading things off randomly. You're welcome. So, yeah. So, I can't remember the guy's name that did it, but it was very detailed. Yes. Well, it's a very interesting look at, um, you know, the rise and fall of TSR, which he did throw up onto his podcast. It's interesting because... You might be able to hear Chris groaning in the background. No, I thought it was good. It, It was... He tried to really stay positive about stuff like you know like oh this is what happened and yeah bad rep blah 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 but here's the background behind it but as you would go in you could tell he was just like just hating on him because i mean then there's valid reasons to hate on some of the people that were in tsr yeah well and like he did defend a couple of people that get like a bad rep i can't remember her name but uh basically like the person that was in charge of tsr and you know it's like she you know she wasn't a horrible person she just couldn't run a multi-million dollar company right um, and then there's like looking around like the crowd of people is a bunch of grognards probably from the days I of know. TSR and they're all like, yeah, yeah. fuck her. It's just yeah. like, oh, you she's a- angry. I don't even know who this human being is as a person, but I hate her. Yeah. But there's like, uh, like a couple of people went to talk with him afterwards and I picked up one of his cards and they're just like complaining about her. So <laughs> it's just like, that's just fun. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. fun. I'm sure he gets that every time. But it, it was a very interesting look at uh, the rise and fall of TSR from a business standpoint. Mm-hmm. And if if you have any interest in TSR's past, more so than just uh, they produced Dungeons and Dragons one e and two e, then I I would recommend listening to it. It's only about an hour. It's interesting because I mean he he obviously is passionate about the uh, the topic because I mean he oh, went yeah. right up to like the last second when the guy opened the door is like you need to get the fuck out because we've got the next seminar starting. He didn't touch on the return of Gary Gygax as much as I thought he would. I mean, he talked about it briefly. Yeah. But, I mean, that was... I think he's looking more at the company as a whole than just individual people. But he spent a lot of time talking about individual people. And that seemed to be... I mean, that was one of those things that when he came back, he basically stemmed the tide. He... The illusion was that he saved the company, which he did at that point, but it was in such a death spiral that there, there was nowhere else to go. And plus, no one listened to him. So I was just, I, I thought that was interesting. I did find the, uh, the whole part, and this was a big chunk of it, about how they were just basically shipping out shitloads of product to get money from their publisher, even though they weren't selling any of it. It was just sitting in a warehouse. Yeah. I didn't realize that that was, that was, I found that interesting. That was like, holy shit, what a great scam. <laughs> and that's what it was. Mm-hmm. That is exactly what it was. And I'd never known that. So I thought that was a, an interesting piece of the, uh, yeah, the it was, I was, I wanted to know more about how it came to like that yeah. type of system instead of how it should have been. But I, I, I suppose I should, you know, certain deals are made certain ways. So, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I went to the. I didn't ask about you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry. Well, I'm gonna. You never do. You don't care. Chris, about what did you do? Fuck off. Uh, the. I think the rude. Only different seminar I went to was the DMs Guild Q and A, which I liked because it was a true Q and A. They got up there. They talked for about 15 minutes, and then they just opened it up. Cool. And there were there were probably two or three guys that were there. Uh, one of the guys had, prob- I think, has like twelve hundred things published on DMs Guild. I mean, it's a shitload of stuff. Twelve hundred, yeah, that seems like, excessive. Yeah, and there were two other guys, that, and I mean, basically, the the three people that were there have made this into a viable business. This is mm-hmm. pretty much what they do. Like the one guy that I was saying before, he basically, from what he wrote, 
got recruited by I forget who um, and writes for them. So Frog God Games, maybe Cobalt Press, not Cobalt Press. I think maybe the, I uh, I can't remember any other five E people off the top of my head. Yeah, but between those two, those two things between writing and selling things in DM Guild and this, where he was basically recruited from. That's what he does for a living, which was cool. Yeah. And he, they, those guys were able to answer a lot of questions. So it was a nice, different, you know, opinion on things. Because um, there were you know, a lot of people. I'd say about half the crowd was, we've never published anything, but we want to. How do we get started? And it was, for those guys, it was really helpful. Uh, it was more, here's, if this is where you're at, like, you know, for us, where we have a couple things out in the third one, you know, the piece of advice I got that was great was, uh, Okay, so when you come up with your third one, and I was like, we always beta test ours. They're like, that's perfect. They're like, have someone else other than the people that wrote it do it. So you can see if they can, if what you have in your brain that's not on the paper, because you know what you mean when you write something down, if that third party can do it. And if they can't, get their note, get what they think of it and adjust it. I thought that was good. That would require me to finish it up and like finalize it before we release it. Yeah, I know. Uh, It's a long way to go, but. The and it was the it was the president of uh, RPG Games, the guy that basically runs DM DM's Guild, and then they had also uh, the uh, woman that was, I guess the the lead on the Uncaged. Uh, okay, yeah, I know what you're talking the Uncaged Anthropology. Anthropology, like and there were a couple of the other women in there that had written things for. Um, within that because it's a series of different things written by different uh, women authors so that was interesting so that was a good perspective to get because one of the questions that came up was it's a lot of white guys writing in this in you know is diversity something you're looking for and you know that's you know they the the women that were there chimed in like that's why we did this that's why we wanted to do this to try and get a different perspective so that was good i mean that was interesting you know taking they they described how they looked at it from a different perspective so their writing was different than you know some of the stuff you see uh i really enjoyed that one i did they were really cool like i mean the guys they hung out afterwards and answered any additional questions and stuff like that so i'm sorry i missed it you you might have found it interesting. did you ask them why it looks like it's a website from the 90s and has never been updated once <laughs> i did not uh i should have though yeah i really should have uh, or why it sucks on the back end and how you can't ever find anything and how everything's weirdly labeled. Well, they did say from a search engine standpoint that they are working on trying to make that uh, the interface a lot more user-friendly. Oh, it's that's not, good. Yeah, because it's not. Because right half now. the time it never works. Yeah, no. yeah. well, they're working on it. Uh-huh. Hopefully. I'm not a fan of their site. No. Yeah. I mean, you guys are the best. Please don't take us off. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, this was the first year that I actually went to any seminars because I've been going for three or four years. And usually we go for like one or two days uh, and we play games. We just go to the, you know, that the vent, the ticket to ride. Yeah. Well, no, we'll go and wander around because half of the main ballroom is split up between the vendor area and then the games area where you can sign up and play games. But there's also a ton of guys pushing their games and wanting beta testers and they're out there basically like advertising their games like you know we have the kickstarter Mm -hmm. we're about seven eighths of the way through can you give it a shot and try it out and those are fun because you've never heard of those games so they'll sit there they'll walk through the whole game with you it's interesting we found a couple games that we love 
like last year there were two or three games and then when they got released we were on the pre-order so we got the games so that was cool my wife and my son love doing that they probably spent six hours each day just wandering around playing games uh my daughter is just massively into cosplay so she dressed up every day the day she went as a mind flayer uh she's all into movie makeup and you know costume design and stuff so she went as a mind flayer she built the prosthetic from like the nose down and actually it wasn't even that she went the full mask because that wouldn't work so had that had the tentacles coming out and she was just like well this is okay but next year i gotta make him thicker and blah blah blah, blah. I did the whole purple the whole nine yards and she, we probably stopped and had about 100 people ask for a picture so she loved that yeah um that was cool oh she wants you to uh put that in the show notes for her instagram page so i'll give you that yeah little entrepreneur you're looking at me like no i hate kids i'm not doing it advertising really chris it's my advertising kid. hey if my kid gets rich off of this then yeah it's good advertising uh and yeah so then there's the vendor area yes holy shit how much did you spend on your dice chris don't want to talk about it <laughs> way too much in general we spent way too much money we probably spent a thousand dollars there you have very nice looking dice now though i do i have some great dice we have more board games than we possibly Maybe. know to do with I can convince Chris to take better pictures of it so I can show it to everyone. Maybe. Maybe I have better pictures than I've sent to everybody but you. I know, that's I not haven't. true. Yeah, I'm too lazy. Uh, Maybe don't take a picture of your stone dice on top of stone countertops. Fake stone countertops. Where it like blends in together. And so you're like, is that the dice or is that just a nick where he a stabbed his knife into the countertop for no reason? So yeah, dice, are, dice were a big piece yes. of my budget that i wasn't supposed to spend we had a lot of board games but it's fascinating i mean that's like half of the main ballroom I mean, it's it's huge oh yeah it, it was it was a lot of fun kind of walking around um i really uh, paizo was always great to walk past because every day they had a different uh button thing. right so uh, you, you have to make sure you stop by there to pick up one of their buttons and they have like iconics and stuff on it i i enjoyed uh the exploding kittens they had a booth it's always so slow, but it's so much fun. Yeah, I it seemed really slow, and uh, but basically, like you just like walked up to like this giant fuzzy cat construction Ooh. thing, and it's like one person at a time spends like five minutes interacting with the cat, and it, they all eventually buy a game, and then it goes on to the next person. And, you know, five minutes later, they're done with their purchase. Yeah, and, and then you get some <laughs> random thing from them, like my son got a potato with a cat face drawn on it with Sharpie. Like you get like random shit from them too. It's bizarre. Uh, but that's a good one. I, yeah, that was that was cool. I never stood in line for that one because I didn't have the time. <laughs> yeah, no. It's, Even though I had nothing going on, I was like, I don't feel like spending an, you know an, an hour, hour, two yeah. hours in line waiting for something that I'm not going to buy something from. Exactly. Uh, Stonemaier Games had a presence, which was really cool. Unfortunately, uh, I didn't realize that their artist was going to be there and signing stuff, so I didn't get my copy of Scythe signed, mm. sadly, uh, which would have been cool, but... Speaking of Scythe, I'm really, really enjoying the third expansion, Rise of Fenris. So, uh, if you ever wanted to <laughs> play, pick, call me. Please. Yeah, <laughs> if you ever want to play, <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, Scythe has a great uh, Automa uh, AI um, for for the game, so you can play by yourself and not feel like you're a lonely person with no friends. What did okay. you do last night? I was playing Rise of Fenris last night with who? With myself <laughs> <laughs> until one in the morning. Oh boy, it was good. Uh, yeah, we do need to have a you know one of those times where a couple of people can't make the session and we're debating on doing one shot. Just bring it over and we'll play that. That would be fun. Yes, I have the 
uh, the wind gambit, so we can we can play with airships, and I have the expansion, so we can have up to seven people playing. And fantastic. Yes. Now I just need to get the metal coins, the expanded encounters deck, uh, the real uh, the uh, realistic uh, resource tokens. Oh and, boy! Uh, I think there's like two or three other things I'm forgetting that I should pick up, and yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, that's where you find Gen Con's one of those places where all of a sudden you can find a game and you're like, okay, this is my game. Like that's was three or four years ago. That's where we found Dominion. We had talked to some people and we love Dominion. I mean, that's our, that's the, it's a deck building game. That's what we play. Mm-hmm. It's one of Rio Grande's huge games. But, I don't know uh, anything about Rio Grande. Think Dominion. That's, they're probably one of their biggest things. I can't think of what their other games. Rio Grande Games has a horrible website. <laughs> And I didn't realize Dominion Games was the, uh, uh, or Dominion, the board game, was uh, that thing where you have that uh, the Lazy Susan that has all yeah, your cards upstairs. on that. Yeah, well, we got that custom for my birthday. Goodness. Mm-hmm. That seems excessive for this game. It really wasn't, considering all the shit you just said you wanted to buy for Scythe. That's fair. <laughs> I guess it depends on how into games you are. Uh, mm. Chris, are you going to go to next year's Gen Con? Hell yeah. Of course I'll go. I'll go get another, I'll get all four days again. Oh, good, good. I'll be there too. Uh, running more games, maybe even taking part in some games. Yeah, mostly running games. I think mostly running games. You're too much of a control freak to actually. I don't know what you mean by that. I let you control things. Really? When? I let you write every Friday article. <laughs> you see what I have to put up with people? Uh, I'm hilarious. Someone's gonna make you laugh, and might as well be yourself. Or Let's... do you have any more closing thoughts on Gen Con? No, it was great. Uh, pe- people, I'll tell you, they. I used to work downtown. We in uh, in a restaurant downtown, and so Indy's a really surprisingly a really big convention town. Gen Con consistently had the nicest people. They are as a collection of people. They are probably the friendliest, politest, and just overall best community uh, for any of the conventions that are down there. Yeah, besides one dude. Uh way back behind me in a line, uh, saying that Matt Mercer was destroying the tabletop community. I thought it was good. <laughs> a lot of nice people. Yeah. <laughs> that part still cracks me up, though. <laughs> there's always some asshole bitching about something, isn't there? Uh, no, it was just... <laughs> his argument was basically uh, because... What was it? Matt Mercer's... Oh! <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, Matt Mercer was uh, pushing the idea of how suboptimal characters make better role playing, and how it's destroying the tabletop community and poisoning everything. And how uh, uh, if they ever find out that any other players are watching Critical Role, they'll kick them from their table. Fantastic! <laughs> Next time we get a picture of that douchebag, and we put that in the show notes. <laughs> Sounds like you had a wonderful time at Gen Con, Chris. I did. Can you do me a favor? What? Can you say goodbye to the peoples? Goodbye, peoples. Are you not going to plug ourselves this week? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, If you enjoy what we're doing here, check out our website, dumpstadadventures.com, where we'll be there for you in all your times of trouble and hardship. What? (laughs) I don't know. Uh, (laughs) Doing a bit, and I forgot what I was doing. I gotta pay attention. Um, (laughs) Anyways, if you like what we're doing, uh, visit our website, dumpstadadventures.com. We post articles. Wow, we put product uh, out Monday. Tuesday's a guest writer, so that's a little sporadic. Are we a fucking manufacturer, we put out product. Yeah. Okay. Think about it. I, we, we post articles Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Sometimes even on Thursdays every other week. 
And then this course's podcast goes out every other Thursday. That does not coincide with the deep dive article. Correct. We also have Perfect. products on DMs Guild. Jesus. We uh, have, I'll, I'll, I'll take that one. We have our Patreon set up where the, the different tiers, one of the things we have on there is the homebrew horde um, that has all of the homebrew that uh, we've talked about and haven't talked about. There's some interesting stuff on there. Uh, we actually have a pretty active uh, Discord channel. They all hate Steven and love me. And yeah, there's also a uh, private Patreon uh, podcast on Mies Adventure. We had the first two that were released to the public, and now it is a Patreon-only uh, podcast. So that's interesting. You can check out the first two and then see what you think. Steven, say goodbye. Uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash stat underscore dump. Stat underscore dump! Or go to our subreddit, which is reddit.com dump underscore stat there you go or our patreon which is patreon.com slash dump stat Ooh, that's just a no good underscore. straight up one yeah, yeah dump perfect. stat yeah yeah all right all right say goodbye steven <coughs> no no you have to say goodbye I don't goodbye everyone no <laughs>